Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 145 of, yes, The Big Cruise Podcast. Uh, my name is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and it's always a cracking pleasure to be with you each and every week to bring you a dose of all things cruise. And this week is no different. Of course, Chris will be joining us in just a second, and that's when we'll get things under the way. But a couple of thank yous, first of all. First of all, um, thank you to Sunspot. Um, who kindly donated a coffee via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, that's obviously the, the way that you can support us. It's a bit like Patreon. You you make a donation of coffees just simply because we love coffee, and that uh, that helps to keep us on the air. So thank you very much to uh, Sunspot for that. And uh, also a little shout-out and thank you to Popiel Marie. Um, I'm not sure where you are, but you left a little uh, message or review on Spotify. And we're starting to see a lot more listens and interactions on Spotify. So if you are listening there, just uh, leave us a little post, a little note, and uh, we'll pick that up. Um, Poppy and Marie uh, mentioned, I enjoy listening to the show. Thank you to Chris and Baz. Well, we're glad that you uh, enjoy the show. And uh, we uh, appreciate that little uh, comment and feedback there. So uh, once again, no matter where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's Apple Co- Pod, uh, <laughs> whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or one of the many, many other different directories, then of course do leave us a little review, uh, a little like even, and uh, uh, that will find its way to us, and we'll give you a little shout out in next week's show. Thank you as well to Dita, who uh, sent in a question, but uh, I completely forgot to send it to Chris. So we're going to save that one up for next week, and uh, we'll, we'll weave that one in then. Um, but just a reminder, this show was recorded on uh, Saturday, the 17th of June, and uh, I think it's time we uh, we got things underway. Let's uh, let go of those lines. Let's get this ship on the water and start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. And once again, we welcome back our good friend and maritime historian and all things cruise news, of course, it is Chris Frame. Welcome back, mate. Ahoy there, Barry. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. How is your week been? Yes, it's been good so far. Oh, awesome. Enjoying the weekend. <laughs> um, we have 
got uh, quite a bit to get through this week, mate. Mm. But uh, we're going to first of all start off with some maritime history, which also weaves in with uh, one of your videos, which I have to admit I haven't watched yet, but I will do over the weekend. Well, just um, as well. So, <laughs> already? <laughs> it, my, my fact or fiction might um, have been given away as well if you'd watched the video. Oh, okay. I've been learning some interesting things so I want to share. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's hit me with uh, this week's maritime history first, I guess. Or well, do you want to do fact or fiction first, and then I, w- I won't have a clue? Well, yes, maybe. Let's do that. Fact or fiction. Okay, Chris, hit me with your fact or fiction for this week. Okay, so this is the fact or fiction. The term rogue wave only became an officially acknowledged term as recently as 1995. Fiction. Fact. Can you believe it? So, (laughs) prior to that, there's been stories of... um, of rogue waves for uh, as long as people have been going to sea, and back in the you know older times before there was photography, there was these these were kind of chalked up to exaggerations, and mm-hmm. um, lots of the t- a lot of the time people thought it was just tall stories that had been told by sailors who have gone off and had you know exciting times at sea, and they're kind of exaggerating things, or it couldn't possibly be the size that these people are. Um, describing of course many ships went missing at sea and if there was rogue waves involved in those you would never have known about it because you never got reports from the ship because everyone obviously tragically perished when the ship was um overcome by by heavy waves and seas but as photography became more and more commonplace there were these you know pictures coming through of rogue waves massive massive waves hitting ships and it was still not really acknowledged as being a phenomenon anything different than just the way the ship was moving in the water and the way that the wave was um behaving but they they set up a group of scientists they set up recording equipment to measure the height of the water and and the waves and they actually discovered in 1995 that yes there are spontaneous waves that are two and a half two times rather larger or or bigger than the than the waves around them and they're significantly larger therefore they sit in sort of their own category and in 1995 the term rogue wave became officially accepted as a way to um describe these massive waves well there you go did not know that well there you go little little jemmy pulled there (laughs) I couldn't believe it either, to be honest. Like I thought, I mean, I, you know, you've, obviously in the research and stuff we've done, we've 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 read about, and in fact, today's maritime history is going to be about one of those stories of a ship being very um, significantly impacted by a, a rogue wave, and just assumed that that would have been accepted as being a phenomenon. But uh, it turns out that um, it wasn't really like an, an official term that was was used by a science community until as recently as 95. Wow, incredible. Mad, mm. mad, mad. Yeah, I would have thought a lot earlier than that. Um, now, I also have a fact or fiction for you, Chris. Well, in oh, fact, it was supposed to be for me. How <laughs> was it? It got sent to me via the podcast website. So just a reminder, listeners, if you do have a fact or fiction that you want from me, you need to send it to Chris via his website, which is yep. Chris. Uh, Chris, well, for, for the contact form, go to chriscunard.com. Awesome. Um, because this one, yeah, this one should have gone there. It, it came in through the website for the podcast. And as a result, I have seen the question and I've seen the answer. So I'm going to flip it and send it to you. I think you mm. will probably know. But 
Fact or fiction? When QE2 was given a new engine, they also added stern thrusters. Oh, that's uh, fiction. There you go. I said you'd know it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Elodie Smith for that one. Uh, well done for sending it in. But yeah, you should have sent it to Chris if you wanted me to do it. And to be honest, I wouldn't have known the answer. So I would have taken a oh, step there in the you door. Go. No, so they probably should have given her stern thrusters. But the um, the engineering, re-engineering that I think Elodie's referring to is the 1986-87 um, uh, work that was done when they basically pulled out the steam turbine propulsion system um, mm-hmm. and put in a diesel electric plant um, mm-hmm. that also included the removal and replacement of the ship's propellers and kiwi 2 already had two bow thrusters um, very underpowered uh, by most measurements those bow thrusters and in fact um, i have on more than one occasion had officers on the ship describe them as hair dryers <laughs> um, in, in terms of their um, in terms of their power but she never had stern thrusters and uh, interestingly enough, I actually remember reading that part of the original plan for that whole re-engineering works was to replace the bow thrusters and give her stern thrusters so she could um, do you know, her own maneuvering and go in and out of port without yeah. as much Less- tug assistance. But yeah. um, the, ultimately, they, they never did. So she, she ran with just the, just the bow thrusters for her, um, her service career. There you go. Oh, Thanks, Elodie, and well done, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's a QE2 one, so obviously Elodie was expecting me to tell you that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not to worry um do send them in folks uh, once again you can send them in via the podcast website thebigcruisepodcast.com or to uh, chris fame's coulard website um or just send him a message via the youtube channel even i guess yeah and, that would uh, work too that could surprise me now mate we've got uh, maritime history you already said it so got it ties in with um the fact or fiction there with the rogue wave so what have we got this mm. week so it's the the time that a rogue wave almost capsized the queen mary um, oh. which is quite a story. So you, you'll remember, of course, that during World War II, the Queen Mary, which was um, one of the two largest British liners uh, in the world, Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth, they were both um, requisitioned for use as troop carriers during World yep. War II. Yep. And um, after the uh, American, uh, the, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, after America entered uh, World War II, um, these ships were put on the transatlantic service, uh, which is what they were designed for, but they had been operating out of Australia up until that point for the, for the wartime service. Um, but they were put on the transatlantic to, to run between America and Canada and, uh, and Britain to get basically the troops across that were required to prepare for the D-Day landings um, that they need to build up this sort of big capacity of troops. Anyways, so on the... Um, in December of 1942, the Queen Mary was doing this service. And when they were operating like this, they'd been retrofitted to carry up to, uh, to 15,000 uh, people. They actually uh, routinely carried over that. And, and in fact, as we discussed before, Queen Mary's had up to 16,000 um, plus people on board during those, mm. those voyages. And on this particular occasion um, in December of 42, 1942, she was sailing um, towards Scotland. And there was a pretty rough weather. There was a gale and the ship was heaving around. She was actually uh, known to be a pretty bad roller. The ship rolled. Okay. The way it was described is kind of she'd roll across to one side and hold it there just long enough that you thought she might 
keep you know sort of tipple over and then she'd write herself up and go back the other way and do that all the way across the Atlantic and Ooh. this was even during her um her passenger career she was she was known to to do that sort of movement during rough weather and um on this particular occasion she was unexpectedly hit by this massive rogue wave um it was it sort of calculated at being over 28 meters high which is 92 feet if you're listening to us from um the states or other places that are <laughs> still using imperial and um some reports even have it even higher than that i mean some of them have have it i think some of the stuff that you, you see sort of uh, in the archives uh, and newspaper articles talk about it being close to 50 meters but that seems a little bit over the top mm-hmm. um but ultimately what happened was that it, it hit her on the broadside so she wasn't she didn't go f- face into it it hit her on um along the whole length of the ship oh, wow. and yeah. it caused this massive roll and in fact the ship rolled to f- they they they've calculated it would have been about 52 degrees Ooh. which is massive and yeah. then she she kind of held it there as i mentioned before the ship had this trait of kind of holding the roll and she held it there and continued to move in a forward motion through the ocean i mean the the propeller that was on the side that was being pushed out of the water was pretty ineffective propellers. There was two of them on each side. It was pretty ineffective by that point, but she continued the forward motion and then managed to right herself again and go on her way. Of course, massive damage inside. Um, People moved, you know, pushed and thrown all over the place, close to 16,000 people. It would have been absolute pandemonium, but they have also calculated with the ship that if the roll had been several more degrees, she wouldn't have been able to right herself. It would have gone past the point of no return and the ship would have been, um, potentially would have been lost um, to a rogue wave. And, you know, that would have gone down as one of the most um, tragic occurrences during World War II, um, with the trooping service at least, because she would have had so many people on board during that, um, during that trooping service. And they would have lost one of the two ships that they basically relied on to get the majority of Americans and Canadians across for the D-Day landings. Queen Mary and Queen Elizabeth are credited to having um, helped move the majority of those people across because they could do these fast voyages with 16,000 people each each time. They could make the, the massive movement of people in just several months. So um, it would have completely changed everything and um, very, very fortunate that she was able to survive that ordeal. Mm. But you know, it's amazing. Even then, you think about it, like all those people who witnessed that captain on the bridge, Cunard people who were still work, working with the ship, so it would have been pretty, pretty reliable witnesses. And yet, it wasn't until 1995 that the uh, that the world <laughs> agreed that these things actually exist. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. I look forward to watching the video now. Just a reminder, um, that link to the video that uh, ties in with this uh, bit of maritime history is, of course, uh, the link to that is in the show notes. Um, and, of course, head across to Chris's YouTube channel if you uh, follow him directly. Thank you. Yes. That's, uh, so we're going to a few more stories about a few more ships that were um, impacted. And, and, and sadly, obviously, some of them um, result, you know, had, had fatalities on board. Um, but others, uh, others had very, very sort of dramatic ex- escapes from rogue waves. Um, and QE2 is another one we can talk about some other time. But uh, uh, mm. given that that was uh, 
that was one of the uh, factual fictions. The the QE2s also had a, a moment with a rogue wave, and that's sort of one of the stories I tell on the video. Oh, awesome. Look forward to it, mate. Now we're going to take a very quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, all things Cruise News. Sounds good. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Now, Chris, this first bit of news, I've uh, seen quite a bit of uh, argument either way. Um, Princess has unveiled that uh, they're going to be bringing Park 19, which is a new top-deck family activity zone, uh, to the Sun Princess. And there's Mm. a lot of very loyal Princess passengers that are not happy about this. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? So the... The whole thing is it's basically located across uh, it looks like three decks so it's located on deck 19 20 and 21 um, and it's designed to allow active passengers and multi-generational families to connect through a series of activities they've got um, sort of different themed areas there's a sea breeze activity which is basically like a, a roller glider um, on a ship so it's Enabling people to enjoy the panoramic views and um, give a bit of sort of a, a bit a bit of thrill, I suppose, whilst they're doing that. They've mm-hmm. got um, climbing activities. There's a lookout. There's um, there's a, the net, which they're calling it, which is all about balancing sort of cargo nets and balance beams. It sounds very similar to um, sort of a combination of many of the other sort of more adrenaline-seeking activities that they have on um, lots of the different cruise lines, but sort of all in all encompassing, all in one spot. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you know your more, um, you know more more accustomed uh, princess activities like a recreational area, ping pong, jogging track, that sort of thing. But why do you think people are getting so wound up about it? I think because princess has never been known as a a family or a child friendly. Now they, they do welcome children and they do welcome families. Mm. And they do it very very well, but it's not something they've ever actively pushed themselves as. I think. Um, yeah. And I think some of the older demographic that uh, probably all actually prefer the smaller ships anyway, so may not even choose to go on this ship, mm. um, are not happy that there's such a big focus on multi-gen, on families, and particularly on uh, children's activities. Yeah. And the easiest way, if people can't visualize this, if you have seen a Carnival Vista, Carnival Panorama, a modern NCL ship, um, it, it's just a real active zone that's on the ship and i've got some images in the show notes that people can take mm. a little look at as well which, you know yeah. the thing is that interesting that um people feel that way because princess has like a fantastic children's and teens oh, yeah, program absolutely. with the you know in partnership with the discovery channel um it's yes. a discovery centers i believe if i remember correctly from when i um last visited uh one of the princess ships mm-hmm. and they they actually if you look back in history as well when the brand was established, it it had sort of uh, that kind of fun, younger cruising idea at heart. I know it's obviously changed a lot since then. Um, so it sounds to me, Barry, as if perhaps they need to get us there with um, the recording equipment. We can get a little cruise podcast happening and sort of <laughs> explain to people why Princess is actually already multi-generational. People might just not realize it. Yeah, they do some really cool stuff for kids. I mean, up in Alaska, they get the National Park Rangers on and they mm. kind of educate the kids. So, yeah, it's not just um, playing and fun there. It is actually quite educational as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's a good move by Princess. Um, I think uh, there's no harm in having um, some ships with uh, yeah. different activities for different markets. And uh, obviously, Princess are trying to attract more of a, a family feel or a multi-generational feel, which is yeah. uh, fair it's enough. Always, 
there's always a lot of concern with um, the you know loyal change. followers of a brand. <laughs> when yeah, when something changes, and look, I mean that's that's a natural part. But the princess has got a lot of ships, and it's not like they're going to go and put uh, this onto all of their existing fleet. So perhaps this exactly. one. And the other thing, you must you know, I guess if you're thinking about it as well, having it all sort of in one area will keep that activity away from the rest of the vessel, which yeah. means that you know if you don't like that sort of thing, you don't have to even go up there. Exactly, exactly. Very good words, mate. Now, now I, wonder, um, I wonder, Barry, if this ship, I haven't looked at the deck plans actually in in recent times, but deck 19, 20, and 21, Princess, P&O, a number of cruise lines, they, they do start their counting, their deck numbers at like five or six, and then <laughs> consider, like I find it funny on the grand class as well, where that like travelator that goes up to the um yep. the, the 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 nightclub at the back of the ship the travel is given a deck number it's like it's not yeah. a deck it's a pipe you know <laughs> so um i wonder if it actually will be 21 stories tall that's that's crazy tall mm. i guess the the lower decks are, are crew only aren't they so yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up now great news from msc next chris uh they have announced that they're going to be plugging into 15 more ports where are they talking about chris oh there's a whole heap of them here barry i mean we're talking about busy ports such as Barcelona and Miami, but then they've also got um, plugins at Copenhagen and uh, Marseille and Rotterdam and uh, Stockholm, Valencia. Uh, there's a, I'm obviously 15 of them. So uh, many mm. of the different places that they regularly visit looks like they're going to be uh, able to do the shoreside, uh, shoreside power. Yeah, and I didn't realize that MSC has actually been putting shoreside power um, technology on their ships since 2017. So they, they were pretty mm. much the pioneers probably because uh, uh, even some ships that are coming out now all uh, that came out in the last couple of years have been retrofitted whereas they've had a bit of big focus in 17 and they're also doing the retrofits which uh, other cruise lines are also doing. So uh, good mm. on you, MSC. Yeah, for sure. You know what's interesting? I did hear that um, people who are seeing the ships since coming back from the pandemic have been sort of commenting about how one side is looking a little bit less painted and maintained mm. than the other. Yeah. And I'm sure in some respects this is a, you know, it will come down to the cost is to paint a ship. But I did hear, I was speaking to some people about an, another ship from a different line that's having some of those complaints. And it turns out that when the shoreside power is being connected, um, the areas around where that is, you can't be setting up uh, oh, lifts yeah. and booms and stuff to paint it and having um, paints and all that sort of stuff going near the you know electrical connections and all that sort of thing so sometimes you might be able to identify where this area goes if you look at the side of the ship and you see like a certain area hasn't been touched up and they have to kind of wait for um, maintenance when the ship is in the other way around or yeah in a dry dock or something like that so I thought that was an interesting little, little mm. uh, piece of information that I stumbled across uh, just a few weeks ago that's a little gem well done mate mm. And uh, next up, Chris, we've got two new two bits of news out of Carnival this week. Uh, the first one we've touched on uh, last week when Carnival Venethia was doing the transatlantic to reposition mm. to New York. Mm. She's actually arrived. She's there, and she's already departed with her first guests. Yes, that was after she received a blessing from uh, uh, one of the uh, the priests at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral, and then, um, as we mentioned last week, uh, Jay Leno became the godfather mm. of the ship. So she's now uh, officially part of the Carnival fleet, Baz. She is. And, of course, there's another two which will be joining the, the fleet uh, over the next uh, year or so. Um, and uh, by 
some of the pictures that I've seen, she's she looks pretty impressive actually, mate. I think it, I think she'll do a good job over there. And mm-hmm. uh, continuing with Carnival, they've also announced that they're going to be planning or going to be uh, rolling out some dining room enhancements. Yes, there are. Um, they're going to be piloting it on the Carnival Dream, um, starting Ooh. with uh, starting from uh, this month, in fact, and then um, we'll be rolling it out across the entire fleet by. The northern autumn, so a little a little while off, um, but uh, but pretty fast pace really when you think about it. Yeah, exactly, and it looks like they're bringing in uh, over sixty new entrees, which will be uh, on rotation um, uh-huh. throughout uh, different voyages, etc. And uh, the chefs are also addressing some requests for larger portions on some of the entrees and really? additional vegetarian options as well. Yeah, there you go. I thought Carnival was already known for its reasonable sized portions. Hmm. There you more. There you go. <laughs> now, next up, Chris, uh, Virgin Voices have announced that there is an opportunity to sail with Sir Richard Branson. I know, right? Look at this. So it's called a Virgin Celebration Sailing Club Voyage, which uh, is sort of a, a link in with um, Virgin as a group's 50-year history or 50-plus year history. Um, and then uh, aboard a resilient lady, there's going to be um, this fantastic experience where you get to be on board with Richard Branson. Mm, yeah, I think it'll prove very, very popular if it's not already sold out. Uh, yes, it'll uh, um, fifty years of Virgin. That's, that's flown by. It's yeah, it's such an interesting Virgin Atlantic. Yeah, such an interesting brand. And I mean, I think it was Virgin Records and Virgin Atlantic, as you mentioned. And there's yeah, had yeah. so many different um, versions of the brand, with uh, you know, I think from mobiles. Uh, mobile carriers to um, gyms to all sorts of different things. Yeah. The cruise line seems to be doing well, though. Yeah, yeah. I hear great uh, great reports from people that uh, have sailed on her, and uh, hopefully we'll get an opportunity towards the end of the year, mate, when when, uh, Resilient arrives down here. You know, it's interesting. We think about um, Virgin. They've got got the ships, and they've got the the planes, and, Mm. uh, and they've got space travel, too. With the uh, yeah, Virgin yeah. Galactic. So <laughs> you basically got it all covered. Exactly, exactly. Now, Celebrity this week, mate, have been talking up uh, Celebrity Ascent and uh, talking about some of the details that are, are on board. Now, there is quite a lot of information here, but uh, in essence, everything that you've seen on uh, the Edge class so far is coming back, but there are a few extra little tweaks uh, in there as well. But uh, some of my little favorites there, I think, would be the Rooftop Garden. Um, and the, the the resort deck. Uh, but what about you, Chris? What do you like about this class of ship? Well, I think one of the most interesting things about this class is the magic carpet, which carpet rather, oh, which course. is that yeah, yeah. Um, cantilevered lounge on the side, and it's painted orange on the two that are already in the fleet, so you can't really miss it. Um, mm. But it, it it raises up um, when you're on board and having having uh, experience inside there. And I think that really sets the sort of design apart. But I also really like this class of ships, um, sort of the focus that they've made on sort of the resort lifestyle as well. So they've mm. kind of created a, a resort deck area on board with um, the pool area. It's got the cabana, cabanas around it. It's got sort of multi-story um, a sort of hot tub area, a solarium. Um, so it kind of feels a little bit more like what you might find on an adult, at, at a um, at a land-based uh, resort rather than yeah. being that typical cruise ship pool deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
does it sounds uh, it looks beautiful and it'd be great to see the the extra ship added into this particular class and of course Absolutely. she's going to be based um in europe uh, for the the northern summer so uh i think uh, that'll be all bar one of the edge class ships actually in europe because of course uh, one is heading over to alaska for the first time and uh, the the rest will be in europe offering the best of the med yeah, and she's starting off. I think her her um her first season in the Caribbean, doing a series of cruises out of um, Port Everglades. Uh, oh, that's right. Sorry, she is yes, and then she yeah, and then heading back Europe. over to to yeah to Europe. Yeah, a bit of Greece, Italy, Turkey, Spain, and France, of course. Yeah. Now let's step up to luxury next, Chris. We're talking Seabourn, and they're elevating even further. They're in suite dining. Yeah, so they've got a 24-hour in-suite dining option, which is already, you know, much loved by Seabourn regulars, as you can imagine. No need to ask for bigger portions when you can just get whatever you want delivered to your cabin. <laughs> um, but they are they are changing things up a bit. They're um, adding in some new dining options that they've uh, developed in partnership uh, with uh, their con- culinary consult, um, a- Anton Egger. Yeah, he's uh, he's changing things up slightly. They've got some classics in there as well. Um, but of course, if you don't like what's on the in-suite dining menu, when the main restaurants are open, you can order anything from those restaurants mm-hmm. and it'll be delivered to your suite course by course, of course. Last time I was on board a Seabourn ship, I thought it was remarkable as well, where you kind of just walk around the public areas of the ship and they have sort of little drinks areas sort of set up with um, you know the the soft drinks and stuff in a, in a ice bucket, and you just help yourself as opposed to having oh, yeah, to. Yeah. It's, it's very much more relaxed with the all inclusive offering when it comes to the food and and drink, rather than having to worry, worry about how much it's going to cost on top of what you've already paid. Um, yeah. And we went into uh, I can't remember the name of the the space, but it was where they did their their wine tastings. It was an extra tariff restaurant. They have all their their special wines and um, yep. and. Um, you know, spirits and stuff in there. And most of the things are included, but there are a few, there's a few from back from, if I remember correctly, um, very expensive types of alcohol where there might be a slight service charge. But again, the offering is remarkable. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. And Seabourn is, of course, very much loved by many, many guests. Uh, a lot of people do repeat and repeat and repeat with uh, the Seabourn and mm. other luxury brands as well. Um, yeah, got some friends who, were quite um you know regular cruises on multiple luxury brands but once they did their first seaborne cruise i'm pretty sure they've never gone back to anything else oh really it's just become their home away from home (laughs) yeah awesome now, next, mate, we've got a little bit of news from the Mekong. Of course, that's the, the river in uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, etc. This is Heritage Line, who I have to admit, I'd never heard of this particular river cruise operator. Uh, but it sounds like they're doing some incredible things, and they're about to embark on their first voyage on the upper Mekong. Yes, and they've got all sorts of interesting um, sort of features and amenities here. They've got uh, uh, on the series of four-day, three-night um, voyages, uh, they having on the inaugural one they're having um, for this Mekong voyage they're having a champagne reception, um, complimentary non-alcoholic drinks, and they've got an alcoholic drinks package available. They have bars and lounge snacks. There's a daily sunset happy hour. Um, they've got free mini bar on board, or at least uh, at least at least for that particular trip. Um, and then a unique alfresco series of culinary events that they've organised as well, Baz. 
Mm, yeah, this uh, three, four-day itinerary does us head touches on the Golden Triangle. You've got Laos, Thailand, and Myanmar on this particular itinerary, departing 27th of August. And uh, this beautiful uh, vessel, the Anu Vong, I think is how we would pronounce mm-hmm. it, um, it's just got 10 elegant staterooms and signature suites. Yeah, it's a small ship um, river cruising at its um, at its best by the sounds of thing. And of course, um, it is sailing to UNESCO World Heritage listed areas. So um, mm. that's pretty special too. Yes, I'm going to dig on, jump on their website and have a good look at that because uh, mm. yeah, I'd love to understand a little bit more about them. And that, my friend, is all we have in cruise news for this week. Yeah, it's nice to see uh, an array of different um, different brands reaching out again as well, which is good. Mm. I think everybody was on holiday, mate. I think uh, they just oh, everybody was cruising. Together. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good to see a bit of variety back into the the inbox once again. Unless you've got a what's got your ship this week, Chris? I think that's all we've got uh, in the, the bag. Have you got anything that you well, want to gripe or whinge about? I mean, it's not really ship related, but the only thing that I can think of, I mean, I, is just how expensive everything is at the moment, and oh, yeah. airfares is one of them because there's all sorts of. Um, opportunities around Australia when it comes to the cruise industry, but just thinking about trying to travel to get to them and the price of <laughs> flights, Barris, it's crazy. It'd almost yeah. be cheaper if we could get some ships here doing the uh, old line voyages again. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be on something there. Maybe. Well, I think it's something that everyone's feeling. I mean, um, there's uh, cost of uh, living increases all over the world, so oh, I suppose yeah. airfares is just the is just the um is is not something to complain about really when you think about how expensive food and all that sort of stuff is getting so yeah no, everything is becoming very very expensive uh, but uh yeah let's uh let's not go down that rabbit hole too far because we could be here for a long time we could it could be a very long podcast <laughs> um and you know we, we do like to keep things upbeat and positive so where we can yep exactly well mate with that let's call it a day i uh, hope you have a great week and we will catch up again at the same time next week Sounds good. Bon voyage, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.